This week, we talk cannabis podcasts, the good old days of Kind Bud, as well as a bit of politics and the upcoming presidential election, coming up next on Critical Grass. Wow. Mary Jane Gibson from Newfoundland. She is a writer. Uh, in my eyes, a cannabis OG. She's one of the first people I ended up reading their work when I got in the game. And she also co-hosts Weed and Grub with me and is an incredible actor, a dynamite cook, and somebody I like making cannabis content with. That is Mike Glazer. He is from St. Louis and now in LA by way of Chicago. He is a writer a comedian, an incredible sketch artist, an all-around funny person who is the right person to make anything better. <laughs> uh, he co-hosts Weed and Grub with me. We also uh, hang up and make jokes and put them on paper to give to other people to put on camera. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with season three of the Critical Grass podcast. Sorry for that little delay. Life kind of got in the way and we had to focus on a few other things in the meantime. 2020 has been a crazy year where you can only expect the unexpected at this point, And 2021 doesn't seem to be very promising either, unfortunately. Nonetheless, the podcast is still here. However, due to the circumstances, by that I'm referring to the pandemic, of course, Many things in life have been put on hold, and that includes things like travel, cannabis trade fairs and expos, and social events in general, which means meeting with people has become quite challenging. Thankfully, the internet allows us to chat with people from all over the world, regardless of the distance. However, with things being so erratic and life just pulling so many punches on us, the schedule for the podcast going forward will be somewhat erratic as well. We will try our best, of course, to bring you episodes with exciting guests as frequently as possible as we're doing this week. But should there be a longer break between episodes, don't be so surprised. We still love you regardless. So changes are afoot here as well, but we won't let that stop us from talking about our favorite little plant. Now, as you already heard a few moments ago, we have two very special guests this week, the fantastic duo that hosts the wonderful Weed and Grub podcast, Mike the Blazer Glazer and Mary Jane, Mary Jane Gibson. Yes, that is her real name. Mary Jane wrote and edited for High Times for over a decade. She was named one of the 15 most powerful women in the weed industry by Complex and was recently featured in Forbes. She now writes for a number of outlets, including Rolling Stone. She covers cannabis culture, entertainment, and cutting-edge trends and has interviewed the likes of Margaret Cho, Melissa Etheridge, the Super Troopers, and Charlie Sheen. In addition to that, she's an award-winning actor and playwright. Mike's claim to fame includes performing and writing for HBO's Emmy-nominated Night of Too Many Stars, Food Network's Worst Cooks in America, True TV's Billy on the Street, CBS's The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, Funny or Die, UCB Theater, and Second City Chicago. His 420-friendly live show, Glazed, is a Rolling Stone best bet, 
and he has over 400 million views starring in BuzzFeed's hit series High Guys. He's featured in Forbes, he's cooked with Gordon Ramsay, and won gold as a roller hockey goalie for Team USA. So the two of them get around and get to speak with, or at least prior to the pandemic, got to speak with all sorts of interesting characters in the cannabis industry. Before they got to the cannabis mecca of sunny Southern California, however, I was curious about how they entered the wonderful world of weed in general. I became aware of, like, it was such a, a funny sort of teenage cliche moment. I was with a bunch of older girls. I was at a water polo competition in Hull, Quebec, and we were there to play a water polo tournament. And they were probably all like 15 or 16. And I was younger. I was about 13. And one of them rolled a joint and I'd never seen anything like it. And they smoked it and they were listening to Tracy Chapman and they were just like, so cool and they were all so beautiful and the whole anyway they didn't they didn't give me any they didn't let me have any but that was the first time I became aware of this thing that I wanted to be a part of and then the first time I smoked was with friends in Newfoundland and it was hash uh would have been like the late 80s or 1990 maybe and it was um you know like the that moment when I smoked with a friend he picked me up in his car he worked at a record store he had the latest um I can't remember which album it was. I think it might have been Sonic Youth. And he was like, let's go for a ride. And we smoked a joint and drove around in his car. And the whole world just became clearer and more colorful. And I heard, I sort of like felt the music and I heard the colors. And I don't know, it just really opened my eyes to the elevation of consciousness being something that I was going to pursue for the rest of my life. I do have to interject here and say Mary Jane got the luxurious introduction to cannabis, especially considering that most people around that time were smoking imported brickweed, at least in most of North America. Despite the efforts of the late Howard Marks, the famous Welshman who smuggled literally tons of hash throughout the world, including a 30-ton shipment to Canada worth $100 million, good quality hash was always difficult to come by. Perhaps some of that good shit Mary Jane was smoking came from that very shipment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good hash. <laughs> it sounds like a movie, doesn't it? It sounds like a like an amazing movie where your like feet are hanging out the side of the car as it cruises down the road, and you're listening to music and blowing clouds out the back. It was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> my intro to weed was selling it. I started selling it to um, people at my school pretty early on in my life, and that came to a screeching halt when somebody knocked on my front door to my home, and my mom answered and asked if I was home and then immediately was talking way too loud on my fucking front porch about stuff that my parents don't need to know about. So that came to a screeching halt, high key, kind of quick, low key, never. So I, you know, I've, I sold it for a really long time. And then in college, um, you know, it helped me pay for college and things like that. And then um, as far as smoking it is concerned, it's kind of the same story as everybody else. You roll up an aluminum foil pipe in the backyard during a sleepover and you each pass it around and take two hits and cough your lungs out. And then you go inside and eat Twinkies and desserts for the rest of the evening until you get sick. It was awesome. Mike seems to have taken the more traditional route as far as the American cannabis experience is concerned. We all know that someone cough cough who has attempted to make smoking devices with the bare minimum resources available such as aluminum foil apples empty beer cans and the like and usually with average quality weed 
Nowadays, in the U.S. and Canada, not only has the quality changed, but the whole experience of acquiring and consuming cannabis has essentially gone through a revolution. You now have dispensaries, head shops, and grow shops, and instead of just smoking weed in joints or out of some MacGyver-style pipe using whatever you can find in your kitchen drawer, you have borosilicate glass bongs, pipes and dab rigs, fancy pre-rolled joints, as well as edibles and infused beverages, making consuming cannabis that much easier and in so many different forms. But let's get a little nostalgic and take a trip down memory lane. What was the scene like for Mary Jane and Mike back in the day? My experience in Newfoundland was exclusively hash. I never saw weed. Um, the first time that I saw weed was probably uh, in Montreal. It must have been in Montreal in the early 90s. And that was like brown and full of seeds and stems. And I was like, why would you smoke this when you can smoke hash? Like, that's all I had ever seen. And so I was like a step down. And then years later, um, after I had visited Amsterdam and like seen all of the sort of glory of, of the experience there, I went to Seattle. And that's when I finally saw what West Coast cannabis looked like in the US. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, I see. And it was like, the, just a totally different world. And then I was in New York for a really long time. And there were all of these amazing New York East Coast legendary strains, like that's where I became aware of things like sour diesel and, you know, the whole like indoor East Coast growing as opposed to the West Coast Kush scene. So that was kind of where I really learned about, you know, what hydro looked like. Uh, and then coming to California, I moved here in 2016 and I've been able to experience all of the amazing things that legal cannabis has to offer here from outdoor sun grown to, you know, the incredible indoor grows that they're doing legally now, as well as some amazing legacy grows that are still going on. So it's like, I've seen at this point, I think like a really good cross section of, of what the world has to offer. And I'm really excited for more and more of it to be, you know, available to people. So you don't have to worry about growing with all of the things that happen when you're on the black market, like, you know, all of the kind of crazy chemicals and pesticides and, and bud plumpers that people use to sort of, you know, get the weight up and, and that kind of stuff that can, can be not so healthy as a consumer. An interesting cross-section indeed to go from East Coast hash to luscious West Coast buds. Now, Canada has officially legalized cannabis for both medical and adult use purposes, so the days of hoping to score some decent hash from a dubious source are no longer. Now, what was the scene like in the Midwest? Uh, I lived in Chicago for a really long time before I moved to L.A., but growing up in St. Louis, um, what I sold and what I bought would be like a dime. But that dime, like Mary Jane was saying, was all seeds. So it's like you're getting like two bowls of brick out of the, And you're still like there's still seeds popping in the bowl. It doesn't matter. Like there's hidden <laughs> seeds everywhere you look. And then once we moved on from like the brick weed, everything was called kind bud. Like I could have been smoking a million different strains, but only knew about kind. Everything was called kind. So it really wasn't until, you know, I started diving into the culture and meeting people like Mary Jane that I knew um, that there was like, you know, Girl Scout cookies or anything like that. Because before that, everything was green and it had great looking hairs on it, but it was <laughs> called kind bud and that's it. So you know, I it was um, it was really cool to find something I love and then dive deep into it and realize there's other people out there that love it just as much as me. On that note, I wanted like I I, I had some incredible experiences with some of the like you know terp nerds uh, from high times like Danny Danko or 
um, Sean Black, who really taught me about, you know, the like cannabis profile with terpenes and all that kind of stuff. And they, they really sort of like dove way into being a cannabis cannoisseurs, I guess. But hmm. I also love the fact that, you know, when you ask Willie Nelson what kind of weed he likes, he's like the one that I'm smoking. You know, like it's it's it shouldn't be an exclusive club. It should be something that um, anyone can approach and enjoy without feeling like they need to have any knowledge about that. And that's a huge part of I think what we're about as well with our podcast, Weed and Grub, and like making sure that it, it doesn't feel um, like it's out of reach or something that you need to have specialized knowledge about in order to enjoy it. In other words, it's the people's plant. To somewhat echo Mary Jane with respect to Willie Nelson, even if it's not the greatest quality cannabis, it's still pretty good, kind of like with sex and pizza, though not necessarily at the same time, although weed does go great with both. Some of you may be familiar with terms like kind bud, chronic, and skunk. Now, back in the day, all three were associated with quality weed. However, with so many new strains appearing and so many new methods of consumption available to the public, at least where it's been legalized or decriminalized, these terms are starting to fade away, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. More than anything, it's just an indication that things are changing, and for the better. Nowadays, you'll hear terms like kush and cookies and pie and gelato and cheese, all of which imply good quality cannabis, but in a few years' time, even these terms might also give way to something entirely new and different. Only time will tell. So how has cannabis influenced the lives of Mike and Mary Jane? To what degree did it affect them? I'll be straight up. It helped me cut the fluff out of my life and commit to a handful of things that my heart genuinely cared about. So until I started getting high, I was such a people pleaser and it was so important to me to get good grades in school and everything about who I was didn't feel like myself. And as soon as I started smoking, I realized I, I got more honest with myself so that I could like, I could be okay with cheating my way through math because I didn't give a fuck about it. You know what I mean? Like it, it like helped me make big choices to be who I am. And I don't know that I would be that person without it. Weed helps you cheat at math. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I got to push back on that, though, because I think, like, you're saying that, you know, like, it helped you cheat at math. It, it, like, you just stopped um, worrying so much about pleasing other people and yeah. living for yourself, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a great way to say it. Well, that's more internal and I'm working on getting in touch with the internal like I, I talk about things from the outside in and then Mary Jane says or you could make it about yourself <laughs> so you know uh it definitely didn't make me any better at math but um <laughs> <laughs> no I actually kind of had a very peripheral relationship with it always because I was an actor and so I was around it a lot as like a tool to sort of unwind at an after party but it was never part of my work as a performer at all in rehearsal or in performance. I just enjoyed it as something that was, you know, like at the, all the coolest parties, obviously. And then when it really became part of my work life was when I took a full-time job as a writer and editor at High Times Magazine and started really diving into, uh, you know, how it affected the world and the culture that I was surrounded by. And I, I began to sort of incorporate it more and more into my life at that point. Um, and now I would say I use it almost daily as a plant medicine. So it, it has had a huge effect on me, but it definitely wasn't something that I shaped my life around. I think it was um, something that I, I was always sort of like, I think that 
if I was at a party where there was no weed, I was like, why am I at this party? This is not the right party for me to be at. Yeah. But I also um, didn't enter the industry for a very long time. And um, so it was like, yeah, it was sort of like a cornerstone of my life, but not, not, the, not the main room. That's a very nice metaphor to use, especially when trying to convert someone to the Church of Cannabis, or at least to explain to others how cannabis is not the evil and dangerously addictive drug that decades of propaganda told us was the case. Even with 33 states having legal medical cannabis and 11 allowing for its recreational use and counting, there still are people who will give you flack either for using it or advocating for it, so the stigma unfortunately remains. With California light years ahead of most other states in the country, at least in terms of public opinion and acceptance of cannabis use, Mike and Mary Jane obviously don't have to worry about people judging them for weed. However, growing up where they did, the situation was a little different. Yeah, in Newfoundland in the 80s and 90s, it was like hard drugs. So in my household, even though my name is Mary Jane, there uh, was no tolerance whatsoever on the part of my family, uh, my father and my mother. Um, my sister, who smoked weed, had moved out years before um, and uh, had moved to the U.S. But growing up when I was a teenager, if I was caught with anything, I, it was very clear that I would be in massive trouble. So I was never caught. Uh, <laughs> and it was years later when I moved to New York and I started working for High Times magazine I was like, how am I going to tell my parents about this? So initially I just said I took a job writing in a magazine and then I talked about the magazine a few more times and then I sort of broached the subject of medical cannabis with them. And ultimately I realized that my parents were much more open-minded than I had initially anticipated that they would be and that they, their opinions and um, their, their tolerance level had evolved hugely um, because they're in Canada and, you know, the, the Canadian conversation about cannabis had been sort of slowly moving toward federal legalization, which now exists in Canada. And so they were pretty open-minded when I came to them in, you know, 2012 or whenever it was that I was like, I'm openly writing about weed for a living. Um, but it took a while for sure. Like I, I definitely came out of the weed closet with my parents uh, with a byline in a printed magazine with my name next to, it was like a big way to come out for sure for them. Um, and since then it's, been pretty interesting because I think that so much of the stigma has fallen away. I, I like I don't find people who are very surprised by my openness about my cannabis use anymore. If I do meet anyone who's surprised by it, I sort of feel sorry for them um, more than anything. Like there's there's not much that I feel like I have to prove. And if someone wants to have a conversation about it, I'm always happy to be really open and sort of honest about my experience with it, what I've learned about it as a beneficial plant in all of the ways, like adult use, medicinally, um, you know, the wonders of CBD without the psychoactive properties of THC, all that kind of stuff. There's, It's a huge conversation. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's why we do what we do, I think, is just to like destigmatize and have those conversations with people. I think it also sure. comes down to the word stigma. Like I've been trying to go on long walks and do critical thinking about that word because it divides you right away into you're right or you're wrong. And that doesn't help anybody get anywhere in any discussion. So I don't have the answer yet for a better word to describe like the propaganda that the war on drugs pumped through every fucking aspect of our culture. Um, but I think the word stigma is also um, triggering. It's just a triggering word because if, if I come to you and I'm like, well, that's a stigma, then you're like, well, that's what I fucking believe. Why are you coming at me with 
some of your bullshit. I'm going to come at you with some of my bullshit. And then we, we, you know, the discussion starts off on a, on a, with a line drawn in the sand. So if anybody out there has a better word than stigma or, or destigmatizing for all of this, um, I would like to start using it because I think it would be helpful. The other thing about specifically with, with weed is like, I don't need you to smoke it. I don't need you to try it. I don't need you to enjoy it if it's not for you, but I need you to leave me alone mm. about it. And that's kind of as simple as I can make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. That, that's definitely what we talk about a lot uh, is just sort of the, the, the freedom to do whatever it is that is right for you. And if that is alcohol, great. I love wine and beer and alcohol. And if that's cigarettes, that's okay if that's your choice. Like I, I smoke cigarettes sometimes. And if it's cannabis, great. If it's psilocybin, your choice. If it's, you know, any, anything, any plant medicine or legal substance that works for you, people should be able to access them without um, having to worry about getting arrested. Couldn't have said it better myself. Prohibition of any kind doesn't work and for the most part only makes the situation worse. But also, it's a good idea not to judge others for any substance they choose to use, provided, of course, it doesn't affect you directly. Now, with Mary Jane being originally from the East Coast of Canada and Mike from the Midwest, they obviously took different paths to get to where they are today. But I have a slight hunch that it was actually cannabis that brought them together. Yes, that was our that was how we met. Yeah. We, we met at uh, well. Actually, I became aware of Mike because of the work that he was doing in the cannabis world. And then we met at a cannabis event. So it connected us. Yeah. And as soon as we met, we immediately sparked something, shared it, shared a couple stories. And I felt comfortable around Mary Jane very quickly. You know, cannabis makes people who they are, the best versions of themselves. So I trusted her right away. And we got deep pretty quick, which I also love. I love somebody who's open, honest, and can dive deep with me immediately. So we're not just talking about the weather. And it it took off from there. Um, Yeah, cannabis, the great connector. It should be called connector. (laughs) So we can thank the great connector for connecting the two connector enthusiasts. But what was the genesis of their podcast, Weed and Grub? Getting high and snacking. Yeah. (laughs) And we honestly, like when we met, so we met at a cannabis cup um i rolled up on a golf cart mike had just done his first dab we hit it off we decided to have lunch in a very sort of los angeles like let's sit down and have lunch and see what we're about and we had lunch and we never wanted to stop talking we're like well we both love food and we both love weed and we both love talking so let's do this like let's make it a weekly date let's make it a standing thing and then we can talk to all the other wonderful people in la and around the world who maybe are involved in weed or maybe not like we've spoken to artists who don't use cannabis, like uh, Mike's uh, uh, Trixie Mattel. Yep, Trixie Mattel, famous drag queen, or uh, Tom Ruger, who created one of the most beloved uh, animation series of all time here in the U.S. called Animaniacs. People who don't smoke or use, but they're like just fine to talk about their creative process. And then lots of people who are in the industry who are like, you know, legends like Tommy Chong or activists like Jim Belushi, who Crosby, you know, David Crosby from Crosby Stills National. Like we've had some great people. So it was really like weed and food are the cornerstones for conversation about everything and anything. And that was sort of like our, that's what we chose to hang our hat on. But I don't think it really defines us in any way because we've certainly talked about everything from 
sex to psychedelics to politics. You know, it's it's pretty much everything. Yeah. I talked, I mean, last episode, I talked about having sex on a porch swing of in college. So, you know, there's something for everybody or maybe nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and it's honestly about having a great time. And I think especially right now, especially with the way things are, it's about being friends and putting our voices in other friends' ears and having people sort of like enjoy that and just the sort of the positive sound of people having having a nice time together and the fact that we're all we're all in this together and we're all going to get through it together. We do a weed news story every week and we always highlight like what we love that's happening in like new products, things that we are enjoying smoking or eating uh, in in the cannabis world. And then also we develop recipes with cannabis companies and have a great time in the kitchen with, you know, making infusions and all that kind of stuff. So very much like it's baked into what we do. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was the official Critical Grass gratuitous pun counter. Score one for Team Mike. Please continue, guys. I would say the only other thing that we realized is um, podcasting is at least here in America, one of the only places that companies can run ads and do advertising for their products and cannabis companies. Cannabis companies. Mm-hmm. And so us having a podcast that is more popular than I ever expected it to be, and also giving a platform to people who are following their own dreams, if we can run ads for them and we can sponsor, co-sign, elevate, and shout out places and people, it's, I, you know, it's a great feeling. And until the federal government gets their act together, it's a safe place for everyone to, um, to like collab, which is awesome. So more than just eating and getting baked and then talking about how stuffed and high they are, the Weed and Grub podcast goes beyond these two fundamentally unifying activities and tries to get other like-minded people involved and showcase them. It's all part of the Great Connectors plan. Now, speaking of promoting and advertising, the cannabis industry has also been making some headway in this regard. One of the first things you will notice if you are visiting California for the first time is the presence of billboards and other ads promoting cannabis brands. Yeah, LA is amazing. There are some billboards over Sunset Boulevard that are advertising all sorts of stuff, brands and dispensaries and live events. Well, not live events right now, but yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. I'll never forget when I came in, I think... 2014 and uh the cannabis cup the high times cannabis cup we'd just gotten an ad on the radio and it was a huge deal that there was like a radio ad for a weed event and now it's i mean i was driving down the freeway the other day and i heard an ad for you know some new vape pen just slipped right in there in the 95 drive time craziness i was like oh yeah it, it kind of is it's really it's really wonderful that i mean honestly what's happened is that the powers that be have realized that there's money to be made from it and that there's more money to be made from it by regulating and decriminalizing or legalizing it than there is by keeping people suppressed and in prison. Um, and hopefully that'll just continue at the federal level because California certainly embraced the legal medical and, and adult use cannabis markets as something that is, you know, a huge boon for the economy. Well, billboards and radio ads aren't the only thing that first-time visitors to California are shocked by. Mike explains how the cannabis culture itself can be an enlightening experience. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the first time I walked in the dispensary. My knees got weak like a baby deer. It was incredible. And so anytime anyone comes to visit me here from back home and we get to walk into some like curated, um, safe feeling store, like just a weed store, it's a store. And, and what a what an amazing feeling. And it also, I think, alleviates the idea that you might be doing something wrong. And that is also a really nice moment to share with uh, somebody I love. And it's really, you know, something to to keep reminding ourselves of, that we have this incredible uh, world that we're in in Los Angeles when we hear from listeners and friends in places that don't have access to not only adult use, but any kind of legal cannabis. Like there are places that, you know, in, in the U.S. that still have extremely harsh penalties for smoking or using cannabis in any way and so you know i think we just remind ourselves all the time how lucky we are you know when someone will like pop up on our instagram and they'll be like what is that gummy that you're eating that looks amazing We're like yeah it is it's truly get, get yourself to a legal state if you can and if you can't just work at a state level where you are to um keep pushing the the laws forward because there are now 11 states in the united in the u.s that have um adult use laws on the books vermont just became the 11th state plus dc and uh, 33, I think, have medical. So the balance is tipped, and we're just going to keep pushing. So progress is being made, slowly but surely. But despite being the largest U.S. state with legal adult use and medical cannabis, California has problems of its own, specifically with its own cannabis laws, namely Prop 64. Now, many claim that it is unfair to mom-and-pop-type operations and that it is not doing enough to combat the underground market due to excessively high taxes, among a slew of other complaints. Now, Mary Jane and Mike share their thoughts on how things have been rolled out in the Golden State. On a broad level, it's not whether I'm for it or against it. It's that we're making progress. So it's as long as like we're going to everybody's going to make a million mistakes as we try and figure out how the heck to untangle decades of complicated problems. And so as long as we're moving forward incrementally, um, then fine. Like I'm, I'm all for anything that says, yo, we're going to start here and then figure out what doesn't work and then hopefully keep going. I mean, like, it's not like I've ever written the first draft of a screenplay and been like, ta-da, Oscar, baby. Like, that's just not how the world works. So as long as people are holding each other accountable and we're calling out the huge problems that have, that are occurring, and then we make genuine attempts to fix them while making the things that do work continue to work. That's really all I can ask for because that's the best humans can do. We're not perfect. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add to that. I think that's so well said. I think that uh, what I'm seeing as I'm covering legal cannabis and writing about it uh, is the need for uh, reparations to be made. That's the most significant thing is that um, the communities that have been most been harmed by the war on drugs are the ones who need to have the seat at the table first. And that's not currently happening yet. There are a lot of places that are trying to address it and a lot of um, places that are becoming more and more aware of it, especially as we experience what we're going through in the United States right now um, with Black Lives Matter and, and the protests um, and, and just the current political situation. So I think that communities of color and reparations being made for the war on drugs being first at the table is one of the most important things. And then also that corporate cannabis shouldn't be able to put small businesses out of out of the 
picture. And that's really what happened with Prop 64 in California. Right before Prop 64 came into effect, there were all these like really cool small companies that were making amazing products. And a lot of them just got totally priced out of the game because of permits and regulation and ta heavy taxation. And that's that's the other thing that shouldn't happen. Like the people who worked so hard to get cannabis where it is need to be able to still uh, have a have a stake in, in the legal market. Um, and if we can work toward that, toward equity and toward a level playing field and towards having more women and people of color in leadership roles and all that kind of stuff and not have this be yet another white male dominated industry, that that's my highest hope. And I think that we're working hard towards it with some amazing people at the, at the forefront of that, people like Steve D'Angelo and um, people like uh, Amy Margolis in Oregon, who's a mm -hmm. cannabis lawyer who are working with Al Harrington's company, Viola, which is a multi-state organization that's doing incredible work uh, toward making reparations in communities of color. Um, so there, there are a lot of players who are doing good work. And then there are also people like John Boehner, former U.S. Speaker of the House, who put people in prison for the war on drugs, who's now profiting off weed as, a, as another rich white guy. So there's there's like tons of hypocrisy to still address. And, and I think I think we're trying to do that. And I think that podcasts like yours um, and podcasts like ours mm -hmm. are like, you know, places to have these conversations. Politics surely isn't the most enjoyable topic when all you really want to do is just get high and enjoy some fine food. But sooner or later, it does come up and it does need to be discussed. It wasn't cannabis users that originally politicized the plant. It was rich old white guys. But their policies have been affecting cannabis users for decades now. Now, speaking of rich old white guys, the U.S. presidential election. We'd be remiss to not discuss this topic, especially with the election itself only a few days away. This is often a topic that drives huge wedges between people, but here at the Critical Grass podcast, the idea is to bring people together and reach some kind of consensus. Now, the question on the cannabis industry's mind is naturally, what will the current or next administration do with regards to cannabis? The Trump administration hasn't done or said anything to indicate they will deschedule cannabis or even decriminalize it. After all, if they were serious about it, something would have been done in the past four years. What about the Biden-Harris campaign? Mary Jane shares her take on the former VP and California AG. Um, as the AG for California, she was responsible for um, doing some, some real harm, I think, to uh, some communities and some people who uh, would argue that she is one of the least... Um, sort of good people to uh, fly the flag for legalizing or decriminalizing cannabis. But she did say at the vice presidential debate that under the Biden administration, that cannabis would be decriminalized at a federal level and that nonviolent uh, drug offenses uh, would be expunged from people's records. So I think there's no reason to disbelieve that. I think if they're campaigning on that platform and they win, then we would hold them to that uh, as their electorate. And that's, sort of exciting. I think that anyone who is thinking about voting for Trump because they think that he's going to be good on cannabis is fooling themselves. Um, there's a really interesting thing happening in this country right now uh, because the cannabis industry is very divided. Uh, there is a lot of support for both parties within the industry. And um, I am voting for Joe Biden, even though I know his record as a, a politician on the war on drugs is not great. And the same with Kamala Harris, but I'm supporting them because I believe that they are the way forward for us as an industry. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then and just in general, I, I think that, uh, you know, the 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 progress that's being made 
at a national level within state by state and at an international level with Canada having federally legalized cannabis and Mexico possibly federally legalizing cannabis in the next couple of months is going to just bring to bear on the American federal government the need to decriminalize at the very least and possibly legalize weed in the next four years. I just, you know, I don't see any other way. They're they're insane if they think that promoting and supporting the, you know, war on drugs as, as it currently still exists and the prison industrial complex and the, you know, big pharma and all that kind of stuff is just like, it's, it's not going to continue working. And so they're going to need to adapt. And I think that there's a really exciting new generation of politicians coming up, like really exciting young voices, loud young voices who, who are going to work to change things. And I, I want to support that. And I don't have anything to add. That's why I hang out with Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> the cannabis industry and cannabis advocates naturally should never give up their struggle or their hope. But when you look at the records of both sides here, of both parties, we don't really have an ally. As Mary Jane mentioned, Kamala Harris prosecuted people for cannabis as the Attorney General of California, and Joe Biden has been an OG drug warrior since the 1990s with his infamous crime bill, which he didn't regret for a long time, but now does regret, but blames its implementation on the states. Now, according to Leafly, his record for the war on drugs is much worse than you think, and he also advocated for throwing drug users and rave organizers in jail, despite having addiction issues in his own family. In short, it doesn't look good for the cannabis tribe either way, at least on a federal level. However, if you are a resident of Arizona, Montana, Mississippi, New Jersey, or South Dakota, you better get your ass to the voting booth and vote yes on weed, as all of these states have either propositions, initiatives, measures, or amendments concerning either medical or recreational cannabis. And if you're in Oregon, you get to vote on two measures, one to legalize medical psilocybin, and the other to decriminalize all drugs, heroin and cocaine included. Voting for politicians may not help your situation, but voting on initiatives and ballot measures like these definitely can help. Alrighty, any sage wisdom or advice from Mike and Mary Jane before we wrap up? Have chill. Just like have some chill. You know, <laughs> just relax a bit, man. It's not, not every decision is life or death. So you can flow a little bit easier. And when you flow, you end up where you're supposed to be. So have some fucking chill. Mm. Um, drink water. <laughs> <laughs> drink more water than you think you need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that's it. <laughs> <laughs> drink water and have chill. Bleed and grow. Chill. That's perfect. <laughs> and, and honestly... You know, I think one of my favorite things about weed, plant medicine in general, you know, that includes psychedelics for me, like psilocybin, is that you, you know, they, they sort of really force you to be in the moment and have no um, regret of looking backward and no anxiety about looking forward. You can just sort of be in the moment. And the more that I can live in that moment and in that present and enjoy everything for what it is, the closer I am to happiness. And so I would say to myself of 20 years ago, just trust, trust that, that you, if you can continue to be present in the moment without regret looking back or anxiety looking forward, that's, that's where you're going to find your sweet spot. And I would also say that um, like, especially on, 
our Instagram at Weed and Grub, we get a lot of DMs from people who find the podcast and love the plant and then are asking how they can be involved in the industry. And the really cool thing about it is there's a home for you. Um, it might not be the home that you expect, or maybe it's a bigger home than you ever imagined. Maybe you're living in a mansion. Um, but either way, if you want to get into politics, if you want to get into cultivation, like um, we've helped some, like I don't want our DMs to be flooded with this because it's not always possible, but we've helped some people get jobs or we've helped people connect the dots. And as long as we're growing the culture and community, um, like things are going to take always, always take a turn for the better. And that's a really great piece of advice too, is just like, go for it. If you want to be a part of this, you can be a part of this. There's a place for you. Drink water and have chill and you won't fall ill. Going to trademark that one. So what's the best way of contacting Mike and Mary Jane if we want to get a hold of them? Um, we usually respond to skywriting pretty immediately. So if you want to hire a plane and send a message across the blue sky, we will uh, hit you back with our own airplane as well. I also like messages in a bottle thrown into the ocean. Yep. If you just, yeah. Um, Yell. <laughs> And then, of course, um, on all social media platforms, we're at Weed and Grub. And we also have a website, which is weedandgrub.com. And our email is wg at weedandgrub.com. And we love hearing from people. And we love getting uh, people's stories to share on our podcast and recipes and pictures of beautiful buds that they're growing and smoking, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's just, you know, it's about sharing all of our stories and information so that we can continue to, like, yeah, bring, bring the culture into the light. Yeah, I would just say if you're listening to this podcast, um, make sure that you click and give a really good review to it because it really helps all of us when you uh, enjoy something and then you celebrate it by just doing something that takes five seconds. So if you're enjoying this, give it five stars and leave a nice review. Thank God I still have my skywriting license. Unfortunately, we have to end there. So we bid our guests a fond farewell now. Mike Glazer and Mary Jean Gibson of the Weed and Grub podcast. Thank you so, so much. You guys have been nothing short of fantastic. It's been an absolute blast talking shop with you guys. I could easily spend all day picking your brains and shooting the proverbial shit about cannabis. Uh, keep out those episodes and hopefully we can enjoy some doobage together someday in sunny California or perhaps in Europe once the world gets its shit together and we can start freely traveling again. Thank you so much for having us and it would be awesome to hang with you. It would be like, this is great. It would be great to be in person as well. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, stay high, stay well, stay safe, and um, hope to see you in real person someday. In real person, in real life. Drink water. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and chill. And chill. Yeah. <laughs> That was episode 51 of the Critical Grass podcast. Special thanks once again to the fantastic duo of Mary Jane Gibson and Mike the Blazer Glazer of the Weed and Grub podcast. Make sure to check them out when you're not busy voting to legalize drugs. They'll love to hear about how you're saving America. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with others on the internet. If you would like to help out financially, you can donate to us by going to www.critical-grass.com and clicking the donate button or by going to patreon.com slash criticalgrass and becoming a member. My name this season is still Bogdan. Have a spooky one, my friends.